Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. And three, two, one. Welcome to episode 16 no. of the Open Hearth Cast. We're going to, I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Hold on. Okay. This is what I thought of. Right. So this is, this is going to be episode 16 because some shit went down at Dex, man. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to that in a couple minutes, but mm. we will be sharing the uh, audio from the interview that I did with David Hula. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Okay. But we're going to have a section in here where we'll cut to that and we'll introduce that a little bit later. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like an awesome idea. Yeah. I didn't think yeah. about that. But then again, I don't really think that often. Well, you know, we it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing to practice. <laughs> yeah, because um, I was listening to Alan Watts and apparently if you want to become like the wind and – the art of not doing anything, you shouldn't think because you're just going to make yourself dumb. I don't know. We well, yeah, it's I th- fucking confusing uh, shit. Uh, thinking is, is a thing that a lot of people should do more often because yeah. you'll, you'll get better at it hopefully eventually. Yeah, some um, people just no fucking hope that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wonder about myself too. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean – yeah, it's you can definitely overthink things for sure. Like, I don't know. This is another d- different topic entirely, though. Yeah, so, so Trenton went down to Dex. The lucky yes. fucker. Yeah, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. We were there for uh, the first day. We didn't attend the second day. We had some other stuff to uh, go and do. While well, it was like a holiday slash night show thing. Yeah. Um. So I went with my good friend Dean Becker and. Uh, it was temporary stand-in uh, host. Yes, temporary stand-in host. He did an awesome job of uh, being a good man when he needed when I needed his help. Uh, and making sure he didn't die. So and making sure I didn't die. And David Hula also made sure I didn't die. So <laughs> shout out to David. Um, but basically, so yeah, so we went to the um, we went to the Durban Eastern Art Show. Met Dave. Didn't didn't know a lot of the guys there, but I knew some of them. Okay. Um, I can't recall all of them, but I have met them before at like Brooklyn, Brooklyn Night Show and all of them. Mm. So yeah, I mean, obviously Stuart Smith was there, Niels was there, of course. Um, Henning wasn't there. No, Henning Wilkinson. Yeah. No, he wasn't there. Okay. Um, there was Henny Duplessis. Wow, wow, wow! What an incredible dude! What an incredible dude. He's just so fucking humble. Mm. And he's so incredible mm. at what he does. Like, his his knives are seriously, seriously, seriously impressive. Yeah. Like. I'm not too familiar. I, I know the name. I just, I can't put pictures in my head at the moment. Dude, I've, I've got them branded into my brain. Mm. Like. Well, speaking of shows, mm. um, I was speaking to my parents mm. the other day. This week, apparently the knife makers in PE are going to be having a show coming up soon because they use the the hall at the old age home where my parents are. Okay, out at Schoolmarkers Corp. So That's when we have some more details, we'll we'll pump that out. So anybody who's in PE, there's a knife show coming up. Um, go support the local knife makers. Um, oh, we just had to take a quick break there. Uh, unforeseen things, but yeah, we're back. 
Um, we're back. So we, the last thing we were talking about was uh, supporting the guys in PE. There's yeah. apparently a nice show coming up about that. Yeah, when you got more details, we'll we'll put it out there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great experience in Durban. It's uh, it, it, it's a lovely place. I'm sure there's some really dodgy places like everywhere, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a nice area, nice venue. Uh, so. Yeah, big shout out to all the guys involved, all the guys and gals involved involved with the uh, um, Durban Easter Night Show. Uh, the organising of it, Neil's one of them. There's mm. many more. I'm just not aware of them all, but huge shout out to that show. It's great. Yeah, because I think uh, the the Durban Easter Night Show has now fallen under the same banner as the Brooklyn Night Show. Yes, so we've uh, we I think we spoke about that on the last episode. Yeah, I think right. so, but yeah. we don't remember because we have corrupt sectors. <laughs> the hard drive's not working so long. Yeah. So it was great. Um, was was really incredible. Um, Niels won uh, Best Dagger, of course. Of course, uh, yes. Uh, he won that big flipping Best Art Knife as well. Best Art Knife, okay. Best Art Knife. So, mm. yeah. Stuart got brilliant. I think best fight, uh, forged knife for what he's with Bowie. He I think. got, he got. I think he got one or two. I'm not. I'm Didn't not. David also get one for the, the chef's knife. Dave, David did for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, he also. Uh, who else was there? Henny Duplessis mm-hmm. also got uh, a couple, and yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was great. So there, there, a lot of guys did really well. Yeah. So while the Trenton was. Uh, Balling down there in uh, in Devon. In Devon, uh, I went with the wife and some friends of ours to Glen Kariba, up there near Warmbaus, and uh, spent some time, you know, chilling in the pool. Did some yeah. running, bought a farm there, wiped out on a jeep track. <laughs> yeah, my arm is is less a bit of skin, quite a bit. Yeah, but it was fun. Fun time. And nice, nice, relaxing, just to like refresh the brain a bit. Mm. It's it is slowing it down a little bit with age. Yeah, well, it's always good to take a break, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the uh, getting back to the uh, interview with David Hula. Yeah. I think we'll take this opportunity to introduce that uh, podcast. Mm. Unfortunately, the sound on it, please forgive us on the sound. The equipment was not working together. Yeah. Um, and Tim generally records the uh, podcast on his laptop. So the sound is a bit dodgy, but if you can listen through it, uh, there's a small section there that we were able to record. Uh, so I think we'll take this opportunity to introduce that. Yeah, so I think I'll be able to do quite a bit with the editing, so mm. it should be okay. Yeah. So this is uh, Trenton's trip to Durban, to the Durban Eastern Night Show, and his interview with David Hula. How do you pronounce his surname? David Hula is Hula. how I've pronounced it. I okay. don't know if that's exactly right, but yeah. Yeah. So well, here it is, guys. So yeah, that's uh, uh, called uh, episode 16, but it's actually part of episode 16 now. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be back after that bit. After that short break. Right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the Open Heart Cast. We are here with Mr. David Hula, um, and uh, we're going to be interviewing him in a couple of minutes. Unfortunately, for this episode, Tim is not here. Um, and I'm also here with my good friend, Dean Becker. 
And uh, we came through here for the Durban East and Knife Show just to show some support and also to interview Mr. David Hewler, Yes, we are now in the presence of. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, David, why don't you tell us just a little bit of uh, your background as to how you got started in knives, what made you make that choice? Because it is a definite choice. Okay. Um, the knives is a long one. Mm. I got my first knife in nursery school. Yeah. So, so like, I grew up back in the, like, my nursery school days were in the 80s where stuff, stuff was a little bit less strict like it is now. So I got my first little Swiss Army knife in nursery school. Mm-hmm. My dad was a bit of a collector, not a major one, but he had some really nice work from, from some really early great knife makers, Owen Wood, Angus Arbuckle, you know, the, the godfathers, the OGs of the, the knife community. Yes. But back then they weren't, they were sort of where most of us are now. You know, uh-huh. you're a knife maker, you're still trying to find your ground. Sure. So, but, you know, those were some really iconic pieces. And we went to a couple of knife shows when I was younger. Um, I still went to guild shows when I was at Goldreed City. So they used to have the annual guild show at Goldreed City. Wow. How long ago uh, was that? Jeez. Uh, probably around about 99, 2000. Wow. Okay. Jeez. That's quite a while ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, knives have always just been in my life, sure. re- like, forever. Sure. It, it, I've always had a knife in my pocket. Sure. It, it's just, it's part of me, put it that way. Um, Kevin and Heather Harvey still had their blacksmith shop in Goldview City itself. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> They're, they're very successful, those two. Yes. In, 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 in the knife-making community, everybody's telling me about their courses and how much of an incredible um, launch you make from when you first start until you do the course and your knives after the fact are so much more informed, yeah. so much more like so much more thought and knowledge is there and skill because you have now been on a course with Kevin and yes. Heather Harvey. Yes. I, have, I I still need to do a course. Blacksmithing is not my forte. I'll put it up now. Um, sorry, Tim. Don't hate me. Um, <laughs> Don't hate me because you ate me, brother. Yeah, dude, yeah, please. Um, but I'm a stock removal guy. I like stainless. I live at the coast. The rest is just everywhere. Um, yeah. It's just it's a lot of PT for me to do it down here. Like, respect to Devet Van Sale. <laughs> yeah. Because he's doing the most amazing work at the moment. And he lives also on the coast. But, um, like, so I want to do a course, but yeah. it's a lot more blacksmithing orientated. Sure. Saying that, the, the knowledge I could gain on handle fitments and, and all the other stuff from, from the blade down, should I say. Sure. So, like, the, the reason those courses are so amazing, um, Kevin and Heather have made all the mistakes. Yeah. They, they've paid the school fees. They've been sure. doing it for years. The only way you get to that kind of level that mm. they, they are at there's a lot of failure along the way. Sure. And a lot of people don't talk about it. Sure. That failure is important. It's because you've got to get through it to get higher. You can't mm-hmm. just stay on a, on a constant. Mm-hmm. So those courses, what they do is literally stop you from failing in a sense. Yeah. You're picking up all their knowledge. Yeah. It just speeds up the process. 100%. Like one of, one of my biggest drawbacks here is I make knives in a lot of isolation. Yeah. You know, I... I don't go visit a lot. We, we got a local knife club and stuff like that, and we, we get together and stuff like that. Yeah. But I've seen the same guys. I know the same things. Yeah. You know, I need more knowledge. And I've almost hit a wall where, okay, right, what's, what's, um, what's next? I'm starting to circle the drain, yeah. in a sense. 
Mm. Um, so those courses, that's what that's where they. And I would even gain huge benefit from going to a thing like that. Sure. Any knowledge. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, okay. Let me let me just get back to some of the questions because mm. I want people to yeah, sorry, back, have a, back, no, back to where I was. But anyway, I mean that's it's, it's uh, I led into the whole Kevin and mm. Heather Harvey uh, discussion. But we like when we decide that we want to become knife makers, whoever mm. you are, there's got to be a definite history, and that's what I, I want to discuss okay. a little bit more. Is like, at what point did you start? Uh, Showing interest in knives when when, you, when you're a kid. From, from, I've always had knives, so yeah. knives, knives, knives have always been there. Um, the real difference, I think, was I always knew I wanted to grow up and make knives. Mm. I used to make knives. In my, I used to bug around in my dad's garage. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I used to we used to have an anthracite heater. Okay, and I can still remember going to Arlington Steel in the south of Joburg, buying a length of mild steel, didn't know any better. Yeah, stick it in the anthracite heater. Had a railroad track in my dad's garage, and I pounded on the thing. Wow. Uh, you know, like this this is my childhood. Yeah. Um, I can remember taking like spike fencing and making tomahawks out of them and Wow. Like cool. dude, I used to make throwing sparks out of yeah. out of um big ten pegs. Yeah. I can remember sitting there bending out and making a throwing spark. Yeah. Like I was a bit strange. Yeah. I yeah. was I was knives always knew I wanted to be a knife maker. The problem is I thought that's something you do when you retire. Sure. You know, you gotta find a job. Yeah. Do the job. Yeah. Save money, yeah. Retire, and then you get to do what you want. Mm. You know, knife making was never needed to. Always wanted to, but it wasn't a have to do knife. Yeah, yeah. Because that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Um, where now it's it's more of an option. It's yeah. it's it's out there. You know, you, yes. you can become a knife maker. Mm. Fortune Five has done phenomenal things for the hobby. Mm. You know, yeah. it's it's a. I don't watch it. Sorry, I don't. It's, mm. I used to be a chef. I don't watch cooking programs. Yeah. Except for a select few. Um, but we'll get into those. Um, <laughs> it's done great things for the hobby. It's opened yeah. up the fact that this can be a life choice. Yes. Where I was not in that school. My buddy was old school. Mm. Company man. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't great at school. Yeah. School, school sucked. Um, so chefing. I get to play with knives all day. Yeah, I love cooking. Mm. This, I'm perfect for this. So let, let's go. Let's go. Get, that, let's become a chef. That's that's an amazing thing that I want to discuss. Is that as a knife maker, if you can link that back to something like uh, survival bushcraft, absolutely, um, being a chef, um, whatever carpentry, whatever mm. crafts there are out there, there is a way of, of specialising in that specific craft, like. You know how to cook. Yeah. Now, you can go into this category of knife making where you're doing custom knife making, but specifically for the chefs yeah. and, and for kitchens and so on. Like, you understand what you need from a knife. You know how to make it now. Mm. And you can apply those two things together to get a better product than you would otherwise not be informed on. Yeah. So, I always said I had two passions as a kid. Uh, it was food and knives. Mm. I was always in the kitchen cooking. I loved cooking. I watched. I just absolutely. Delia Smith was my favorite. Like I can remember school holidays and there was we had like ETV and that was about it. And mm. they used to play Delia Smith cooking. I used to watch that chick for days. Yeah. Then, as I was like sort of coming of age, getting into a teenager, Jamie Oliver came along, and then I always had the knives, 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 knives. So it's sort of just. 
that merged so well. Sure. And, and it's helped me. It's funny. You have to go through this path, this journey. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you end up at this junction where, where I'm at now, where I'm actually doing what I wanted to do originally. Yeah. It, but I had to do the journey of the chefing, the, the cooking side of things, the, the really having a love for that and the tools. Yes. Yes. And being frustrated with the tools that I had. Sure. Yeah, but I, can, I can imagine that's quite helpful, actually, if you think about it. Like, now that you understand how the industry works, what kind of blade is best for something? Like, you can't just say, oh, no, you're making knives, but you don't know what you're talking about. You actually have the yeah. background skills. And don't get me wrong, I, I was by no means a, a phenomenal chef. You know, I could have made something if I wanted to, but I was never... The, the most creative of guys. I couldn't come up with these these new combinations and like yeah, different, yeah. like merging things. I was never good at that. Yeah. Mm. What I was good at is working. I was a whacker. Yeah. Like, dude, I, I, I always said, like, you don't have to be the best, but you must just outwork the oak next to you. Yep. That's, yeah. So I just worked hard. And that's mm. why people love me. Because you can, you have the creator, the, the exec chef, the, the boss. Sure. They bring down the, the creativeness and you just execute. Yeah, execute, yeah, execute, yeah, execute. Yeah. Um, which and, is, which in itself is a is a craft for sure. Mm. Because like you've got to be a decent chef to yes, even if you have a recipe, you need to be able to pull it off consistency. Yes. With, and it's the same with knife making. You need to understand each the process, individual it's... process to get a better product. Mm. And you are essentially you've got this recipe of knowledge that you need. To heat treat the specific steel at this temperature, uh, maybe do cryogenics mm-hmm. on it, depending on the blade, things like that, yep. to make a better product. You need to have an understanding of how to hold that knife, how to use it, what 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 specific industry is that is that knife in? Yeah. Is it for the working man? Is it for the bushcrafting the, guy? Is it for the, the what, chef? Who are you selling to? What, dude? Who's what your ergonomics market? are needed? Like it's it, it's a, it's an entourage of knowledge and how no, to execute. It's, it's, it's exactly that. It's execution, dude. And that that's where I, that's why I did well. I just I executed. Yeah. You know, and that people ask say like, "Geez, you make a lot of knives." Mm. I'm like, I don't make a. I don't think I make a lot of knives. I still think I could make more. You make more than me, <laughs> for sure. No, I make a fair amount. I by no means say that I'm I'm a slacker, but mm. it's just because. I'm, I've worked in an industry where it's all assembly, it's manufacturing. Mm. It's some days you have to cook for 10 people, some days you're going to have to cook for 500 people. Sure. You've got the same amount of time, but you, you have now 50 times the output on, yes. the, on this given day when you have to do 500. Yes. So you just look at your processes. How do I do it faster? How do I trim off yep. every little yep. second? How, how do I grind? Right, what, what is the status of grinding at the moment? What is the current theories on grinding? And, mm. and you start researching, how do people grind chef knives? And you go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so, I, I literally, once, I almost had to like reinvent, I'm not saying innovative or anything, but I grind a knife a lot differently to most people. Yeah. Um, just because, not, not so much through personal experience in the kitchen, but just trying to absorb knowledge from other knife makers. How do other people do it? Mm-hmm. We live in this phenomenal age now where you can be, you can reach a million people tomorrow if you wanted to. Yeah, sure. Social media. Um, there's so much knowledge out there, but we just, sometimes we don't 
take it in yeah. and realize that it's free. So I just started sucking in as much as I could. Yeah. My wife will tell you, I, when, I, when I get into something, I get a bit obsessed. It's ADHD, dyslexia. It's hyper-focus. Yeah. Um, so you, you dive down that rabbit hole, and you, 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 you need to experiment when you're making the knives. You need to test. Um, one, of the, one of my biggest failures and one of my greatest successes was when I actually decided to make that leap of full-time. Okay. So let's backtrack a bit. Um, I started making knives six years ago through, through just chance coincidence. You know, I always knew knives, always loved knives, you know, always had the dreams of, um, I had one or two oaks that I knew in the distance that were starting to make knives. Um, and by chance, one of my mates said, hey, a friend of mine's dad that makes knives and he's in Belita. I'm like, what's up? My dear friend, Terry Smith. And I went into Terry's workshop, and it wasn't what I thought about a knife workshop. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had background knowledge. I'd been to shows. I knew what knife, you know, I'm, I'm used to big grinders. And, and Terry, bless his soul, I love the man to bits. He had this little one by 30 where we all started. Yeah. Um, and a drill press and a vice. And he was doing the most amazing stuff. And I'm like, I wish I could do half of what Terry's doing here. Sure. Um, Scrape, scrape some money together, grabbed a 1x30 drill press. Um, I, I don't think I ever finished a knife on the 1x30 because I'm like, this is fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking terrible. This, this is not what I signed up for when I wanted to make yeah. knives. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is, a lot of guys who find themselves into knife making as a hobby, you know, oh, cool, you can make knives. And they go into without any background shit. I had nothing but background shit. You know, I, I was reading at the age of 10, 12, I was reading about Bloodless. Um, I, I've got the books. I've still got the books because my dad collected. So he had knife books. So I was reading about these guys. Um, and I'll, uh, Sid, Sid Latham is his name. Um, I can't remember the title. But I, can, I can always see the cover. Um, he literally had a page by page what's good fit and what's bad fit and comparisons. Wow. So th this, this, is, this is me at Baba. So the problem is I came into this with expectations. Yes. I knew what was good. I knew what was. Yes. But God, could I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yes. Yes. You, that's the <coughs> thing. Like, you can be, like, as soon as you're informed on something, to a large degree, like, I've, you know, been in the bushcrafting in mm. industry, I've been exposed to some knife making and I've seen it for a long time. And I've definitely tried in the past, but I was more fucking around at that yeah. point. I wasn't really taking it seriously enough. I knew there were certain things about it that I needed to delve into because I knew about the subject. I just didn't know what it was all about. Yes. And eventually, over time, like dealing with Niels van der Berg, uh, dealing with Tim Brown, mm. dealing with uh, my mentor, Jack Conan, dealing with all of these guys, I have now gained a bit more knowledge. And then I decided to take this more seriously and mm. get into knife making as well. And uh, I phoned up Jack. I got in contact with him. And I was like, you know, your work is seriously impressive. Um where about are you? I'd like to come and mm. see you. And he's like, dude, I live in Riddlewood. I'm like, no kidding. 
I live in Rudderford. So he's like literally 15 down, minutes down, down, down the road, road for me. And um, I put this proposition across to Jack and I said to him, listen, I want to become a knife maker. Mm. Like I'm putting a proposition to you. How about I come there, help you out for free in return for you teaching me how to do this craft? Mm. And he was like, you know what? I've had apprentices before, but, you know, they dropped out or mm. whatever. They've stolen from him. And I said to him, look, give me one month. We'll see how about that. He was like, all right. One month goes past. Two months goes past. I'm now a year and a no. half in. And uh, I'm learning a lot, man. Jack now, now you're an absolute wealth of knowledge. He's a flipping master. And everything he does, he does to the best of his ability. And he is extremely, extremely good at what he does. Absolutely. The first time that I went to his uh, workshop, again, being a bit informed on life making in terms of, not in terms of the craft, I don't want to come across as cocky, but I'm saying, like, I, I saw what the, mach- the machines that the real serious guys were using. And I was like, okay, that's that's sort of this image you put in your mind of what you're expecting when you go into somebody's workshop. Preconceived ideas. Preconceived ideas that are not that are not needed to achieve the craft. And it just shows you how little you actually need to get started in life making. You don't need to have this, oh I need this, oh I need that. Yes, these tools are good to acquire over time. Yeah. But I mean you absolutely. get to it when you get to it. Doesn't mean you can't start. No, absolutely. The thing is, I decided to start, mm. and that that was the main thing. I wasn't going to wait till I was sixty-five, retired to start making. This Oak's doing it. He's got the basic tools. I can get them down the road at Arendorf's. Mm. I'm in for three grand. Yeah, at the time it was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I can I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, but the problem is I came I came with baggage. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what was good. Um, so I knew I needed to get to level up. So hustled some money. I, I, I managed to score my grinder through sheer, pure dumb luck. So it's the, the Herbs clone over there. Yeah. Um, I went to a mate's daughter's birthday. He's like, hey, my mate Brian, he's a knife maker too, Dave. I'm like, all right, now you tell me. Anyway, like... I get changed for the second. I'm like, yeah, dude, I just, it was literally like two, three months after I'd started figuring out with the one by 30. I think it was like yeah. two months in. And I was like, dude, I need a proper grinder. Hey. Yeah. Like, but I, I was looking at, at 10, 12 grand machines and I was like, I can't pay. Because you could buy them. You could go yeah. get, you can go get plug and play. Yeah. Um, there was one supplier. There was two suppliers back then. You, you had Herbs, the, the original guys, and KMTS. Those were pretty much. I, I, I can't recall hearing about Derek Rausch's machines back then, okay. but it was pretty much a Herbs was your go-to. Right. Um, but he said, hey, my mate started knife making. He got given a machine, not interested. He wants to sell it 500 bucks. What? 500 bucks for that machine? Are you what? fucking I'm, out of I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm not done Whoa. yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not hurting my heart, bro. No, no, relax. Oh, my gosh. The story has an evil. Evil. Oh, okay. The story on. has an evil twist. Let me just take this in for a minute and realize how much the universe must have loved you at that time. Like, what a chance. Right. What a chance. Anyway. Anyway. 
I get 500 bucks. I just spend a thousand rand on a one by 30. I'm fucking, I don't give a shit what the thing looks like. Yeah. I will make it work. Yeah. Monday comes, I phone the oak, said, please can I have it? And he's like, 100%, come and pitch. I had a Bantam Bucky at the time. Uh, your box is making a bit of a funny noise. Literally that morning, your box is making a bit of a funny noise. Oh, no. I go see my mate. Let's go check it out. Kind of, there's no oil. There's this. This is not good. Can I get to Marysburg and back? I'm your choice, dude. I'm not going up past Pavilion. Car gets stuck in gear. Oh. Can't change it. Your box, fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, call to Marysburg on like two gears. And driving from, you must understand, driving from Belito to Marinsburg is not a fun exercise. The roads are pretty shit. Um, the, these trucks, it's highway, it's bypass, it's not fun. Call to Marinsburg to my brother-in-law's workshop. Yeah. He manages to tell me to, to, to the workshop he was working at. Actually, like, dude, can I borrow your car? I need to go buy a knife grinder. That, I couldn't, like, actually, like, care. Yeah. I was just like, this is my mission. Went and dismantled that thing, piled it into my brother-in-law's golf. Um, I get back to to my brother-in-law's workshop, and he's like, "Dude, get box toast." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not going. No way. This thing's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> he didn't say that. This is this is me paraphrasing. <laughs> my brother-in-law is an absolute gentleman. Um, me paraphrasing, paraphrasing. Um, I've got a potty mouth. It's years of working in a kitchen. Um, he's like, oh, no, you, you're, not, you're, not go- you're not going anywhere. Um, so I'm like, he's like, you can borrow my car. We'll get the thing sorted. I'm like, how much are you looking at? He's like, recon box, five and a half grand. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, see, that's yeah, that's a bit pricey. Oh no. Oh yeah, it was about five and a half grand. Three and a half. I can't actually remember now. Dude, I was just like broken. Eh? I'm like, I should have just stayed. I should have got the car looked at. Should have got it fixed. Yeah. But I was just like, 500 Rand knife grinder. Mm-hmm. I'm all over that. Yeah. Um, I'm all about that life. I'm all about that life. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those weird things. And you look back and I thought that was the end of my world. But it was actually the, the, the start of a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yes. So, that's how you got into all of this yeah. now. And then you decided to make it your mission to just, like, go forward at this balls to the wall. Yeah, pretty right. much. No, well, I, I made for three, four years, like two, three years I was making. I did stupid things when I first started making. But once I got the grinder up and running. So, okay, back to the grinder, the 500 rand grinder, though. Um, I got there. It had a – it wasn't bad. It was like a 1.2 – no, it's a 2.2 kilowatt single phase moton, wooden drive wheels and a wooden contact wheel. Ooh. 50 by 50. And I was just like, yeah, that shit can be fixed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I knew what my end goal was. I knew what I had to do. So like, right, let's make this work. Yeah. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, my mentor, Stefan Dirdrix, he's won non-gill competitions on wooden contact wheels. It can be done. Um, so I started on that wooden contact wheels, but I was a, I was like a stupid. I had to do everything backwards, and I hated spending money. Like I didn't have money to spend. Sure. I, I just there wasn't spare money around. We just started the family. We had the kids. Like, and I've been through a few hobbies in my life. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was. 
like there was always a hustle. So I'd like try to find bolts instead of just going to the suppliers. Yes. That's why they're there. Yes. And saying, this is where I am. Help me. If I can just hit my head against the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. do it myself. Fucking do it myself. Yeah. There's got to be a cheaper way. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to yeah. be a cheaper way. Um, granted, back then there was K- KMTS and that was, you could go order, everybody knew you could go order direct from third. The problem is you had to take 12 at a time. That's the thing. That's the and thing. it just kills everybody. It does. Oh, dude. So anyway. But the frustration, fun, the frustration is, is just like. It's so bad and when you, you, and you just like, starting out. Yeah. But the thing is, I, I hit the ground running. Yeah. Because that's what I do. Yeah. It's fucking like. Yeah. Monster. Um, so I got this thing up and running. Yeah. I make a bolt on now. Nice. And my mates are like. I'm like, these are fun to make, they're quick to make. Yeah. All of a sudden, within my first year of knife making, I took an order. It was a combined order. It was 30 for a mate and 10 for another customer. So I had 40. And wow. I had a six-week deadline. Oh, wow. And you know, as, if, as, as, as a, year in, a year into your knife making. Yeah, yeah. That's a problem. One knife is a struggle. Yes. Now, all of a sudden, I sat with this problem. Oh, no. Because here's the thing when you start out is that you 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 careful so long on getting this grind just right. You trying to you trying to make a quality of knife that looks somewhat similar because you're informed. You don't think that what you're making in the beginning is the shit. Like if I wasn't informed, I would still think my my shit that I'm making now is the shit. Because I, if you don't have reference points. Like, of where you can go and how good you can get. Like, we were informed about all these guys doing this, mm. like, as, as a profession. Mm. And um, now you start looking at your own work and you're like, oh, well, I got that one okay-ish. And yeah, it's that's... good enough to sell, so I'll sell it. And then you sell mm. it, and then you look at your work, like, a year later, and you're like, whoa, fuck, what was, I what was that? What did I do? What did I do? I like, sold that. I sold that. Dude, I've got, I've, got a, I've got hundreds of nightmares out there. I'm waiting yeah. to come and bite me in the arse. And they mm. bite me every now and then. One will come back for a for a, a revisit, for a sharpen or a service. And I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. wow. Yeah. You're ambitious there, boss. You let that go. Yeah. You yeah. let that go out the I must shop. say, like, this is my, my first, like, proper podcast, and I did a bit of piss poor planning, and something just realized I'm trying to cook a roast pork belly in the oven. Yes. And we're doing a podcast. This is, that this could is, be, uh, this was could not, be this a bit is, of a swine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, shit you not, give me five, like, two minutes. I just need to go check on this bad you boy. You go do that, brother. You, you, you smash on there? So, uh, yeah, I mean... We we actually need to get back to uh, the reason that we're here. Uh, Dean and I came through from Joburg on Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Thursday. And uh, we came through for the Durban Easter night show, which was an incredible success in my opinion. I think I, I'm not I'm not sure how many guys did well at the show. Spoken to a few guys who sold out. So it seemed to have gone very well for a couple of knife makers. Um, couple couple of knife makers like um, some of them that I can remember. I wasn't very well versed with all of the knife makers that were there, but the nomination for uh, best dagger and best art knife went to Niels van der Yeah. Uh, so huge 
Shout out to Neil Spinabout from Black Dragon Forge. And Stuart Smith also won in some of the categories. Um, let me think. Henny Duplessis. Oh, he um, had some nice knives out. He had some stunning knives oh, out. Oh, man. Um, the, the, color, the colors on that, on that steel was just out of this world. It's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm very impressed by his work. Um, right, I'm back. Sorry. You're back. Dude, I have a thing about feeding people. Yeah. Sorry, I can't get rid of it. Like, family comes, and they think I'm, like, losing my mind a lot of the time. Yeah. But I just dig feeding people, dude. Yeah. Like, this is, like, it's nine years as a chef. I'm sorry. I like yeah. to feed people. Yeah, it makes sense. It um, makes sense. Yeah, so, sorry. If I um, dash off every now and then, it's to check on my pork belly. Um, <laughs> anyway. We were just talking about uh, the Durban Easter Knife Show and all oh. the guys who won in the categories. Yes. We mentioned uh, Niels van der Back from Black Dragon Forge, Stuart Smith, Henny Duplessis. Uh-oh. Um. Who were some of the other guys? I can't remember all of the guys, though. So, like, um, there was Dion Null who won the best fighter. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah. I spaced a bit there when you were talking, so I don't know if you... Sorry, um, I, I, I do yes. smoke weed, so I am a little bit... Yeah, we're yeah. all a little bit goofed. I mean, um, we've, yeah. we've, we've, we've <laughs> taken a couple hits of uh, some locally grown and, and KZN-grown um, flippin' weed <laughs> from uh, Mr. David Hula. Shout out. Hello, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, no. Huge um, flicks, huge flicks. <laughs> yeah, check me out. No, dude, I'm like the world's worst weed grower. Um, I made some, I grew something smokable. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, dude. You got to start. Everybody's like, oh, I want to grow weed. I want to grow weed. I want to grow weed. Trying to put a seed in the fucking ground. Yeah. Start growing. It's, it's not that difficult to get started, man. No. It's, I don't. But, but you must understand, though. Yeah. You're not going to grow college. Unless you really, like, there's an art. It's like anything. There's yeah. an art to anything. There's mm-hmm. an art to cooking. There's an art to knife making. Yeah. A, a lot of the time I see life like that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't segment things per se. And yeah. like like to categorize people. But there's always those top achievers. In anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's stereotyping. I'm very bad at it. I, I, I stereotype a lot of people. I, 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 that's just how my brain works. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I always like to break things down. I need, sure. to, I need to see a plan. Yes. Yes. Um, I need to know the steps. It's your process of understanding yes. things. So, like, I see the world as you're always, you're always you're any group, no matter what the facet, no matter what the discipline or nothing, mm-hmm. you'll always find the same type of people for the group. Yes. The top achievers. The masters. The old bellies. Yes. The novices. The cocky jock. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, I, always, I always sometimes see the world as like a, a typical high teen movie, dude. And you can do the jock group and the stoner group. And the, yeah. the same thing breaks down for any discipline. Yes. You'll find the masters. You'll find the experts. You'll, you'll find them. Yes. Yes. And you got to check those boys down. Mm-hmm. And that not, that's what I love about decks. And that's why I do decks. I don't do decks to sell knives. Okay, that used to be the, the thing when I used to do decks. Um, yes. I'm full-time now, so fuck it. I'm there to sell knives. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying I'm all about airy-fairy, this is great. Like, boy, you got to sell some knives. Yep. i got bills to pay. Mm. This ain't no joke now. This isn't a, a, yeah, a, a, a fun little hobby. You're making this. You're making a life choice. Out yeah. This, 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 this is me now. Yeah. This isn't. Oh, I had a bad show. It's like fuck. I had a bad show. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This um, isn't good. What is my plan going forward? Yes. And I, I remember like doing decks as a hobbyist knife maker. Yeah. And I would just obviously go to Dion 
you were, uh, um, was at one of the very first DEXs I went to um, when I started down this journey of I want to make knives. Um, I remember looking at his knives and just being blown away. I, I can remember Kevin Harvey and Heather Harvey were there. Yes. Um, at that Dex, it was like one of the last like great iconic Dexes with like some of the really the big guys. Um, and I walked in there with a bag of own wood and Angus Arbuckle, the snotty little teenager. I was twenty something at the time, but I was a snotty teenager. Um, trying to find, and they were all under one roof. So my main thing for Dex is like I go to the like, where are we? Like, right, I need some help here. How do you do that? Like. Um, and, I'm, and this year, this year was a bit more casual. I didn't have to do that because I'm very honoured to have Dion Noel spending a week with me. Um, so yes. I picked him up on Thursday. Um, we spent the last two days sharing a table at the show. And, and for me, when I, when I started down this journey of becoming a knife maker, I remember looking at his work back when SA Blades was still going. Yeah, you weren't around for those days, eh? No. No. But I'm sure you've heard the I'm sure you've heard the name come up a few times. What's this again? Uh, the forum. Old school forums. SA Blade Forum. I've heard about SA Blade Forum. Sorry. On the laptop. Ashing on the keyboard. Ashing on the keyboard. Bad form, boys. Yeah. Should have tapped that um, before I passed it. My apologies. Come on. Um, come on. Let's anyway. not act like Flipping rookies here. Dude. Like, we know what we're doing. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've always watched pod- listened to podcasts, but generally, I'm, I'm, I'm a visual person. Yes. Um, I like to watch. Um, yeah. I'm getting better at audio. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no. I like to watch. <laughs> That's what he said. We're not going there. This is exactly what I was going to start talking about. <laughs> um, and you watch these podcasts, and like Joe Rogan, prime example. And the are fucked out of their brains. Yeah. And shit just goes pear-shaped. Yeah. And you're like, dude, bring it back. Bring yes. it back. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. We're doing that. And I'm like, don't do that, David. Because I finish a sentence. I'm like, where were we? Yeah. yeah. We, we were actually talking about that last night. Yeah. We, we were out having a few drinks. And, and we, we discussed that, you know, sometimes you'll be talking about something. Then you'll go off on a tangent. But I think it's important if you're able to come back to the main topic. Yeah, it's trying to it's trying to pull back. Yeah, it's pull back. So pull back to Dex and, and the masters that were there. Yeah. Um. So I'm very lucky to have Dion here. We're going to spend a bit of time fishing because me and him have been. It's been a busy couple of weeks for the both of us. Um. We were fortunate to have a private show up in Joburg with Daniel O'Malley from Blade Gallery. Yeah. So he's an American dealer. So he comes out once twice a year, uh, once for a private show generally in the beginning of the year, then he comes out again for the guild show. Um, we, it's invite only. It was, it, I feel like I need to down, I like, I'm almost embarrassed to talk about it because like, I feel like the ugly girlfriend, because I'm, I'm, I'm amongst my heroes. Yeah. Per se. See, <laughs> yeah. you've got to understand like people, I've got to this funny, I was, I was talking about stages. So the masters, the, and all of a sudden I'm around my masters and I'm like, I'm waiting for like a camera crew to jump yeah, out and say like, ha ha, get yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just fuck off. <laughs> this, this is the thing. Like you, you, you like, you start meeting people in and, the craft and you're like, okay, this is, this is a thing actually here. In this yeah, place. like there's and, a big community. And then you start meeting all the other people. And you start meeting the, the other people who are really good. And then you start meeting the masters and you're like, oh, fuck. And then you go to knife shows and you meet some of these dudes. 
and you're like, oh my god, I'm Dude. in the presence of Henan Wilkinson. I'm in the presence of Niels Finnebach. I'm in Dude. the presence of um, fanboy. Like, fanboy. Did you turn into a fanboy? Yeah, and and you Straight like. Fanboy. You look up to these guys and you're like, oh my God, if I could be like that dude, I'd be pretty good. Yeah, you know? like if I could do half of what he's doing. Yeah. But now imagine, put yourself in my shoes. Mm. I think I was like three years into this yeah. as a knife maker. And I always knew I wanted to do kitchen knives. That was always the, that was always from chefing background and knew what shit was out there and what shit chefs use. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, I can make a better chef now. Yes. I know what needs to be done to make a better chef now. Yes. I'm doing this. Um, but I first got started, like all of us do, hunters, bolt-on knives. Sure. Back to, uh, we were on that tangent of 40 fucking bolt-on knives. So the takeaway from that is, I undercharged. I did 350 bucks a bolt-on knife, which didn't even cover my cost. I didn't understand the braces. Like, I just saw dollar bills, baby. Some oak is going to pay me seven and a half grand or whatever it was. No, I'm good. Okay. Well, nine grand works out to you. What's making this? Fuck yes. I've got this. I'm just going to make... I'm going to be printing the monies. Yeah, I lost money on that deal. Um, and I ended up yeah. well behind deadline uh, because I never knew how long it was going to take me in the first place, but yeah. I said yes to it. The, the problem is they were corporate gifts. So I had a hard deadline. Oh, shit. It wasn't a flexible deadline. I was oh, on a hard shit. deadline here, people. I had to, and the, the the big order for 30 was for contractors. And we know contractors end. Yes. The, those boys closed down shop properly. Yeah. I have a hard deadline. I had to, I had to deliver. Yes. Um, Did so, you get it done in time? I took two days off work. I made 11 bolt-on knives in two days. Wow. Whoa. Um, the, it's still a running joke with the Oaks, you know me, especially on my knife group, dude. Like, I'll post something like, how much is it? 350. Dude, Clyde all. okay? Like, he's also a knife god. Like, the Oak makes some pretty fucking epic shit. Yeah. Um, he's still ripping off about it, like, regularly. And it's like, I'm not going <laughs> But the fact that I'm still chatting, to, like, the fact that I'm in that group freaks me out. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, I did 11 bolt-on knives. And the stupid thing was... This is where it really gets fun. I made my life very difficult <clears throat> mm-hmm. because I'm not an idiot once, I'm an idiot twice. I grew up reading knife publications from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Shit was mirror polished. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker, all 11 of those fucking bulldog knives yeah. in two days were mirror polished at 2,000 grit and hand polished till, and hand sanded till, because I couldn't grind, I couldn't do the work on the grinder. I was sitting there for hours like a nurse, hand sanding. Dude, I got it done. I could do a bolt-on knife from a heat treated blank in three hours. Yeah. Like if I, excluding waiting for glue and shit like that. Work time, three hours. And that was my Because I had to. And it's the, this is why I'm going back to the chefing thing. This is where I come from. One day you feed a hundred people, the next day you feed a thousand. You've still got the same amount of hours in the fucking day, but yeah. your output now has to be 10 times. You're doing 10 times more the work. Right. People don't think about that. It's never a constant. It's, you can go from one day from twiddling your thumbs for, for eight hours, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, they cheat me now. To when I, when I was doing big conferences, dude, we worked it out. My, my last big conferencing gig was at 101 Event Center with Three Cities. We did... 
corporates, big corporate, and Mshango is full of big corporate. India functions, sort of towards the end of October, mid-November, it was fucking chaos. We did 12,000 people in a month, and we were a kitchen brigade total of about 10 people. So, like, we each fed, like, it was, like, it was stupid, dude. It was just, like, we, my longest shift there was a 32-hour shift. Yeah. Granted, it wasn't 32 hours solid. We got a three-hour shit shower shave, but that wasn't 32 hours. Um, and it's hard labor the whole fucking way. On your feet the whole time. Dude, it fucks with you like you have no idea. Um, so I came from hardship. I came from... Oh, somebody's... It's, it's, uh, oh, it looks like it's just kicked it. I've had some psilocybin. <laughs> and I'm feeling like... Life's got just got a little bit interesting. God is preaching to me right now. <laughs> like this existential human being. I'm very sorry. I can't believe I have Dion now in the room oh. and we're getting fucked up on weed and mushrooms. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to uh, say goodbye. Are we going to... Because it's, it's hitting me real hard right now. Okay. And we're going to just end really it. Yep. Thanks, everyone. And we're back. Yes. Back so, to reality. <laughs> back to reality. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had to cut the uh, interview with David Hula a bit short, which I feel really bad about. But I'm here. here's the story. Here's the yeah, story. This is I the big you, scoop. I hope you guys are in on it, right? Um, so what happened is uh, David, myself, and Dean, we were sitting in the workshop there, and uh, I had I'd spoken to David about doing some psilocybin. And uh, that's that shrooms, yeah. And these uh, particular shrooms were called the the golden teachers. Okay, that's right. interesting. And uh, so, so Dave like grinds the stuff up, and he hands me a dose, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, this this stuff is one gram." First of all, let me let me just backtrack here a little bit. He grinds this these these uh, mushrooms up, and he like puts it on the scale, and he's like. Okay, so this is like one gram. And I'm like, dude, that looks like a really dodgy scale. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's, it's not too bad. It's, it's all right. It's mm. like it's one gram. <laughs> so anyway, so he hands me a dose and I look at it and I'm like, is this going to be enough, dude? Like, it looks like a rather small dose. And he's like, oh, wait, I think I've mixed the, the – that's my daily dose. That's that's because he microdoses on the stuff. So he's like, so this is yours. And he gives me like double the amount. And I'm like, dude, this is a lot. He's like, no, it'll just give you a little buzz. Uh, we just had a few technical difficulties there. We'd be back. So right. the dosage. So the dosage. So so he says, no, it's a gram. It'll just give you a little buzz. Um, so I'm like, all right. I don't know. I don't know any better. This is my first time doing mushrooms, right? So I take the stuff. I put it in my mouth and I start chewing on it and it just tastes like clean, strong weed. Mm. That's what it tastes like with a hint of mushroom. Okay. Anyway, so I, I get the stuff down eventually. I'm like, ugh, ugh, like real gross. Anyway, so we start recording the podcast and we had a great podcast with David and, and Dean was a, a great sidekick for it all. Yeah. It's and uh, so they've had a bit of weed. I've had a bit of psilocybin. You know, it's like, it's all good. Mm. Right? And uh, we start recording. And 40, 
40 something minutes in, yeah. I start seeing like David's talking to me and I'm still understanding what he's saying and so on. But like he's blurring. She's blurring. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on now? This is strange. And it's like things are slowing down. Okay. Like his movement's slowing down. And it's like, and eventually I'm like, oh my God, I am talking to another human being. Like, this is crazy. Like, there's this, <laughs> this sense of appreciation about the world at first about like, how crazy is everything? Everything's just like, it's so crazy. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is real. This is all real. It's mm. all crazy. And um, eventually, my mind got to this place where I felt like there was a God before me. Everything else was gone. There was mm. just this person in front of me, the, this God in front of me talking to me. And I didn't, I wasn't really understanding exactly where he was going with the, 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 the conversation. Mm. And eventually I was like, oh, this is bad. This is, this is, this is going to be intense. I wasn't feeling well. Mm. Um, I gagged a little bit because I was like extremely like freaked out about mm. this whole uh, intense experience. Mm. And um, yeah, while we're on that, uh, kids, uh, remember environment is very important yes. when taking psychedelics. Mm. So, so, yeah. so I had, uh, I, I was freaking out and I was stressing a lot. I was really stressing. And um, anyway, so eventually, like, Dean and uh, David are like, ooh, something's just kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> like you've heard in the podcast. Yeah. Um, it's just dropped. So anyway, I'm like, I've had some psilocybin, guys, and I don't know if I can continue for much longer. <laughs> and it's and it's crazy. Um, and I saw some very, very interesting, like some very interesting things happened, and I saw some very interesting shit. And I experienced some very interesting shit, which is exactly what I was looking for. Um, that that was that was I can't say that was not a, that was a great experience. It was mm. a really good experience. Um, and yeah, although I think the amount that I took should have been either less or I should have been in a much more calm environment Yeah. Um, for, for doing psilocybin, I think that it went relatively well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I basically passed out and uh, I lived an entire entirely different life, like I plugged into another reality and it felt like what was like two weeks mm. that I was just in this other reality, everything was normal, everything mm. Everything that was being like conveyed to me by people in my life, like I knew who those people were mm. and I knew the things that were current in that reality. Mm. And it was, it was so crazy. Mm. It was so crazy. And it was like, it felt like an extremely long time. I said to Dean, like, how long is I out? And he's like, dude, you were probably out for like five minutes. Jeepers. Before he was able to get me back to reality like reality <laughs> and then after like <clears throat> he brought me back into this reality i remember the last thing that was happening was i was talking to my my eldest brother and he was there in this reality cheapest and uh and we were having a, a not an argument but he was not happy about something and yeah. uh and he was trying to tell me what it was all about but then i started like hearing dean's voice 
And then in the image, it was being interpreted as this really important message trying to come through. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And anyway, so then I plugged into reality again. And then I was like, okay, yeah, we, we're here with Dean and David Hula. But what the fuck was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? It's crazy, dude. Yeah. It was so crazy. Um. So yeah, I I I had many many things that I saw, and uh, I don't want to go too too much about it, go on too much about it, but it was it was life changing. Yeah. Um, the what's it? I think they call it the disillusion of ego. Well, that is definitely. I spoke to you about this earlier. Yeah. Because uh, Tim and I were in the kitchen, and I uh, was telling him about about how the experience felt like. I was lying on the couch eventually and uh, there was this, first of all, there's no sense of weight. Mm. Weightlessness. I I felt weightless and I didn't feel like I was in a body. I felt like I was everywhere, like I plugged into this, I just melted into this network of energy. So it's almost like quantum physics where you, you cease to be a particle and you became a wave function. That's the okay. That's a more intelligent way of, of interpreting <laughs> this, but like it was such a scary and weird feeling at the same time because it's like you've got no sense of gravity or like that you hear, you feel weightless, you feel out of your that out of body experience yeah. is there very much so. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but. Like you feel like you're just part of everything. You've melted mm. into this network of energy. Mm. And there's like, oh, dude, I saw some weird shit. Like there was this ever-changing vast shape. I can't even describe it. Mm. It was this ever-changing shape that you could see, but it wasn't small. It was enormous at the okay. same time. Like you couldn't see the ends of it, but you could see it, if Infinity. that makes sense. It was like infinity, if you can possibly even imagine that. Mm. This just sea of endless stuff, but it had a shape to it. And it was sort of like a, a rectangular shape, and it was rotating. And then inside that shape was this domed sort of doorway figure, but also vast. And there were all of these sort of plumpish white women doing this with their arms, Oh, my word. That, that'll just freak you out. There, there was, like, myriads of them, like, all in these dome-shaped doors, like okay. door frames, with red in it and veins of gold coming out the sides and, wow. and as they were moving. And these veins of gold would, like, change as they moved. It was fucking crazy, dude. It was really insane. It sounds fucking hectic. It's, it's crazy. And then... It, it changed into this, 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 this vast sea of like these. It looked like little worlds, little like little globes of energy that were. They were not like. Some of them were like red. Some of them were orange, and, and some of them were really bright. And there was this. It, it, it was just endless, absolute endlessness like infinity and these things were made up of energy it was a whole network of energy and 
it there was this impending feeling of like understanding this concept in this world that mm-hmm. not in this world in that world that if you can bring more gravity to that to your energy mm-hmm. that you will draw in more energy mm-hmm. like this the, i don't know how to flip and explain it but it's kind of like when a star gains uh, is like really heavy mm-hmm. it's Gravi- gravitational pull is a lot harder, so mm. it brings in things. Yeah, I'm just looking at Google because one of the tests I did in the hospital was the plot test or whatever. Um, and in it, one of the images I saw was a fucking hippie goat. It's the only way I can describe it yeah. that I would expect to see on a, on a psilocybin <laughs> trip. Yeah, this hippie goat that's going to tell you everything uh which is kind of scary it's it's crazy dude so um so i i see this these these flipping faces imprinting through this network of energy of these globes that are that are all connected and and it's crazy dude it looks like I hate it. This sounds so original because like Joe Rogan talks about it all the time, but because that that's what he saw, but there were like these, these linking shapes between all of the planets or not. They, they weren't even planets. They were like balls of energy. Okay. And there were these very complex shapes connecting all of these planets, all of these that's- planets of energy, not, not physical planets. Like we perceive a planet. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you know what's going to possibly blow your mind is you must look up um, Eric Weinstein. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a few times. Yeah. His uh, physics theory of, uh, I think it's called geometric unity. So it's an attempt to combine all the theories of physics into like one thing that helps describe quantum newtonian all sorts of shit okay so would better you'd be better able to sort of it might it might give you insight on this these geometric patterns Mm. you saw within these planets or or fields of energy that's it there we go okay oh jamie's just brought that up for us some images yeah that's crazy and you know that um yeah, was, this was this was more like what I was seeing between all of them. Yeah, this is more like what I was seeing. Now, is when that, he proposed that, Thanks. he when he proposed that at Harvard, um, they basically shot him down and and yeah, something more like that, but with straight lines in yeah. like all, in all directions. Now, when he came up with this theory uh, and he he said this is what he wants to research. Now he's not a he he's more of a, a economy he was more in e- economics and stuff like that but when he discussed this they basically like pushed him aside because th- that wasn't the the path that their physics department was on okay. and um he was basically told that he he is not allowed to reside in uh the state where harvard is and basically he couldn't uh, when he su- submitted his thesis for his doctorate, um, he wasn't allowed to be there for the interrogation of his thesis. What the flip? 
Yeah, that's that's how Harvard gets rid of people. Like, um, this sounds like a total conspiracy theory. Though. It's, it's not because uh, what's it? Barack Obama's father was at Harvard, and he was told the same thing. They said he's got to go back to Kenya and finish his thesis there. Kenya. Yeah, because his dad, Barack Obama's dad's originally from Kenya. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Now. It just shows you how sort of corrupted the 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 fuck English the academic society has actually become. Jeepers! Where it's no longer the search of knowledge. It's mm. like it's like it's a click. It's like mm. oh, we don't like what you think. So okay, well that's an interesting thought. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that's crazy. but there was on there was on one of these Joe Rogan's latest. Podcast with Eric Weinstein. You should actually go have a. I'll have a, a look at that for sure. I mean, if you want to talk about conspiracy theories or so-called conspiracy theories, yeah. When he was at Harvard, these group of economists got together and uh, they changed the way they calculate the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, so inflation. Okay. So they worked out that they needed, I think, one point one percent difference in order that the government theoretically has much more money than it does and it means the social grants are less and taxes are more some shit like that Ooh, this is going down a harsh path yeah so yeah. we'll leave that for more research because yeah that, that i didn't I, I listened to it and it's like uh fuck. starting to sound a little political in my opinion yeah and it's um, like oh, i don't want to go down yeah like, <laughs> as as my my ink block test that I did in, in hospital said um, I live in an alternate reality. Yeah, well, that's uh, the, in my opinion, they could very possibly be that. Um, just hold it quickly. We just had to try and silence the dogs. The dogs so I, are barking at the doors. Silence the hounds. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Unleash the Kraken. <laughs> the Kraken. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it it was it was really really. Uh, great experience. Um, yeah. It was it was so incredibly life changing in terms of just mm. the, the the things that you see, mm. and it's, it's going it, to take you a while to to like process through all it, of it. It it will it will. I, I feel I know this this probably sounds weird, but I feel different in my head, like in a good way. Yeah, like I feel like there's some shit that I've let go of. Mm. And I don't know what it is yet. I mm. guess we'll find out. But mm. it it's uh, it just feels like I'm lighter. Mm. It feels like there's some some emotional shit that I got through. I don't mm. know what it is yet. Yeah. But yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, you, you know, most people think that your uh, I think we talked about it a little bit last time that your rational mind or your what is it your your conscious controls your, your your being, but it's actually 90% of the time you're being controlled by your subconscious. So you may not process it now, but it's probably stuff that's in your subconscious that's been weighing you down a bit mm. that you haven't made that neuro connection yet to what yeah. it was. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I can sort of point out is that I feel more, um, capable. Mm. I feel more capable. I don't no feel. 
I don't feel as inadequate as I did before this experience. Mm. Uh, I'm like, you know the shit. Mm. Like, you, you know, you know it good enough to get further mm. and just get over it. Like, it's it's fine. It's all it's fine. A, it's a bit like you know? getting over that. I think a lot of men suffer from what they call imposter syndrome, where you, you've got this constant fear that people are going to find out that you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Because, mm. I mean, mm. most of the time we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're just like getting shit done. It's, well, well it, I was speaking to my girlfriend about this the other day and, and she was saying the exact same thing mm. is that, uh, it's, it's very much the case. Um, I think for a lot of people mm. that you've, you've, you've got this and I don't know a hell of a lot more about it. She knows a hell of a lot more about it than mm. I do, but, uh, it's, it is a thing. It mm. is a thing. And it's, if in my life, at least, it's always this feeling of, Mm-mm, you're not going to make it. Mm. This is not, you, you're going to be average at best. Mm. Is that, and I know that's like, for, I, I try to be a really positive dude, and I am for mm. the most part. But there's always this inner sort of voice telling you, you, you're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as capable as you think you are. Mm. So just stop faking it. Yeah, it's, you know. that, it's one of those assholes in your head, I think. Yeah. I have many of them. Yeah. And sometimes they get together and conspire against me, the fuckers. I, yeah. I mean, I, I do too. And, and, and I think a lot of people that struggle with this, this imposter syndrome thing, uh, as I said, I don't know all the, the fine details about it, but it's, uh, it, it, it really damages your self-confidence. Mm. And it's, I mean, even you can even come across as a really confident dude or gal mm. or whatever. Um, but at the same time, there's always this thing saying, girls. saying like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you, you doing? Know? Yeah. Like you, there's that, that voice that tells you you're a failure. Look at you. <laughs> you're 27 staying with your parents. What are you doing? You hey, know? I only moved it's out like, of my parents when I was 29. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, there's no rules behind when you should leave home. There's a, no. there's a, there's, there's definitely people who will disagree on that. Um, but I mean, the thing is, the thing, thing is, is you, that's, that's my situation. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. Everybody's yeah. on a different timeline. So, yeah. and, and like, before I would be, I would have been a bit like sort of ashamed to say that. Now I'm just like, well, it is what it is. I mean, and I'm working towards something better. I mean, I went down now uh, before the long weekend before Easter. I went down to see my parents, and we spent some time camping. And I went fishing with my dad, which mm. I haven't done in years. And it was just like I was thinking about it when I got back. It's like such a privilege that you know I'm 45. And I, I still have that opportunity to go fishing with my dad. That it's, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, thing. for years, whenever it was my birthday, the thing we'd do on my birthday is we'd go bass fishing. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, that's a great childhood memory. Um, so the, the, the fact that when I went down there, we went camping and we went fishing for bass, it was like, you know, takes you back to your childhood. Yeah. And although you, you're 45, your brain still thinks you fucking – in your mid twenties, early twenties, <laughs> sometimes sixteen. Well, I don't it's know. <laughs> it's a beautiful experience because mm. you know um, it just it just makes you feel young again, and it's yeah. and it's yeah, you know, it's like a 
It's like you, you, you go back to the, the childhood moments of mm-hmm. when, you, when you spend some real quality time with your, your hero, mm-hmm. your dad. You know, teaches you all these things, mm. and he's my dad's an incredible dude. I love my dad. Like I'm, a, I'm. A he's seriously boy. talented when it comes to painting. Oh man, he's talented at so many things. Like, mm. I'll, I, I still think that I, I've learned something, and then I'll come and tell him about it, and he'll be like, "Yeah, that's how it is," and he'll tell me something more about it, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, well, okay, I didn't know you know that, but yeah, sweet." Um, my dad is, 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 is a very, very intelligent man, very talented mm-hmm. man. I think, um, yeah, he is. He's, uh, yeah. And as yeah, I say, my hero for yeah. sure. What I wanted to say is I, I saw a clip of, of the, we can have to start doing pushups if we mention Joe Rogan because he mentioned him so much. Oh, damn. <laughs> You're going to have to do some like. Some like Thai kicks or something, or some yeah. Brazilian I've a, jiu-jitsu. I've got a, I've got a, a punching bag here. Yeah. We'll just have to hang it up. <laughs> have to do like maybe five Not kicks. Not tonight, bitch. Not tonight. <laughs> yeah, men are made for stretching. But um, I saw this clip. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name who was on his, and he says, "Every man lives two lives, mm. and the second one starts when he realizes he only has one." Oh man, I think I saw that on TikTok the other day. Yeah, it is like it just blows your fucking mind. <clears throat> Wait, man, I'm sure I saw that somewhere. Yeah, it was fairly recent. I mean, it was one of his clips in the last three weeks or so. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a very uh, profound thing. profound thing to say. Um, mm. Yeah, dude, I don't know. There's also. I think there's a lot of fear that you get over when doing mm. these sort of psilocybin <laughs> experience. Drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still, you know, I'm half one, two, but I'm half, you know, scared of it because yeah. I don't know if I'm predisposed to psychosis. And that's like a big fear when it comes to. Um, well, wasn't that with, wasn't that with the. Uh, is that with all narcotics or is that no, with that's CBD? Like, no, not CBD, THC. Heavy what? doses of THC, but also um, especially hallucinogenics. Okay. So, Ibogaine, DMT, psilocybin. I found a, a very interesting YouTube channel called um, The Drug Classroom where they talk about what you really need to know about all sorts of different drugs. So, from pharmaceuticals prescription to you know dmt psilocybin that's there's a, a great there's platform. another there's another uh, uh hallucinogenic it's very similar to lsd but it's a different type of experience or something i'll have to look it up in my history and i'll share it with trenton because uh, it's just fascinating learning about these different things and yeah i like learning um but yeah it's, it sort of scares me because I, I still go back to what Jordan Peterson says. You must be wary of unearned wisdom. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's a real, real thing hmm. um, because there was a lot of stuff there that I kind of felt ready for, but there was also some stuff that I, I'm not sure I was ready for. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I couldn't – I can't say it was a bad, a bad trip, but, man – it's intense. It's, it's intense. It's intense, and it it makes you 
yeah, during during that experience of melting into that reality, n- that network of energy, mm. it it was it was scary because of that ego. What do they call it? Ego, the dissolution of ego. Ego death. Ego yeah, death, yeah. That, that's it. So ego death, like, so when I was when I melted into this this network of energy, it felt like my ego was trying to reattach itself, like mm. it was something outside Fighting. of, and it was trying to fight its way into this network, but it was being repelled, mm. and it was like, oh my god, <laughs> like your ego has just been stripped from you, and you're like, ah, what the fuck's going on, man? And you're like, your ego's like, body wait for me. And you're like, ah, I don't know what's going on. Like, it's it's so crazy. Mm. It's so crazy. It was it was a real uh, hectic experience, but it was it was good, man. It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not saying it's for everybody. Be mm. careful, kids. Yeah. Um, Do your research yeah. first. Make sure you know what you're getting yourself in. For yeah, don't don't go into these things blindly. Yeah. It's not what we're trying to encourage here. You um, know, it's it's not like you know alcohol or tobacco or caffeine. It's it's serious mind altering stuff. So yeah, you got to be careful. And uh, advice is to get get yourself a good guide to Definitely. guide you experience and set your environment correctly. I would say even if you don't do it with a guide, make sure that there's somebody there who can help you through the experience, a mm. good friend, somebody, not one of those shitty friends, mm. like a good friend that you know has your back. Yeah, and he's not going to go with a, a cokey pen and write dickhead on your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> and just and just <coughs> lay back and, and gain something for it. I'm mm. not promoting it as like a party thing. Mm. Um, you know, there was that, that guy who spoke about uh, – uh, mushrooms on Joe Rogan's podcast, mm. and he 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 says he has a big problem with the word shrooms. Now mm. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I hear what he's saying about it. Mm. Is that it's such a, a powerful thing, and he says by by disrespecting the name of mm. it and disrespecting the the medical applications of how it can actually help people. And spiritual. And and spiritual, uh, like, application, if you want to put it that way. But by doing things like that, using it as a a party drug, it it takes away the value of the experience experience and of the the medicinal qualities. It needs to be a hell of a lot more research on all sorts of things. Yeah, especially Uh, this, because, I mean, it was lost for, like from the 70s so it's like 50 years of research that's been lost on the on the benefits of psychedelics because of the war on drugs yeah i mean yeah, and he, you know re, research some research is better than no research yeah and, i uh, mean if it, it, this is the thing if it i think that there are a lot of things put on hold just to keep the medical industry going mm. like there's possibly a lot of cures for shit that we don't know about mm. because it's going to threaten the the medical sort of industry. Yeah. Like providing medication that is like – that does the job okay-ish, but there's all these side effects. I mean, you um, look at just, just like um, uh, – what's it? Antidepressants. Mm. It is a huge industry. I think – Massive. 
I should imagine. I can't remember the stats, but it's like shockingly high the number of people in yeah. America that are on um, antidepressants. Uh-huh. And if you look at the scale they use to measure depression, medication only helps one or two points on the scale. And it's, I think the scale is like less than 20 or it's 20 or something like that. Okay. I'll have to look it up sometime and uh, refresh my brain. Yeah. But it only helps a certain portion, and it doesn't help for everybody. Mm. I mean, if you listen to Johan Hari, he, he wrote a book on on depression. Yeah. And a lot of the things is limit. We're limited by by the ways we treat depression or mental illnesses, because it's not like a car where they have safety belts, airbags, speed limits, road rules, everything like that, where they go all out to try and prevent death. Mm. Um, the mental health industry is, is slightly different. It's, 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 it's probably 50 years behind in terms of its research. Okay. That's my opinion. Look, yeah, they, I'm sure that there are a lot of well-meaning people in the industry who genuinely want to help people. I'm not, I'm not shitting yeah, on I the mean, industry. Look, the therapists and the, and the psych- psychiatrists and stuff like that, they, they are there to try and help people. But I think in certain aspects, their hands are tied by legal restrictions. Mm. I'm sure there's a lot of doctors, and I'm sure there have been a lot of doctors who have sort of got on the bandwagon of suggesting CBD for its anti-inflammatory qualities. Mm. Uh, It's also good for a shit ton of other things like anxiety. Mm. Um, It's a very interesting discussion to to have between the difference between uh there's there's hundreds i think there's over a hundred different cannabinoids within Mm. marijuana so these are just two of them yeah um but it's the most commonly spoken spoke about yeah it's thc and cbd thc and cbd Mm. now thc obviously being the one that makes you high either through Okay, now that's just a flex. You see, I'm yeah. becoming more ego, <laughs> ego uh, yeah. aware. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a very interesting thing to find out that within mar- marijuana there has been some now new research that's been done um, to find out that okay, it's actually beneficial for a lot of these these mm. you know health issues that people have, whether it's anxiety, whether it's uh, for its anti-inflammatory properties or Whatever it is, it's 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 great. And I mean, smoking it may not be the best way of getting it into your system. I think that's it's possi- yeah, it's, it's possibly not, the worst way of getting it into your system. Uh, but it's the same as smoke. I think it's it's not as harmful as smoking. A normal cigarettes. You, well, it depends on how often you do it, because then you may as well be smoking. Like you can get to a point where you're smoking weed all the time every day. Yeah, for sure. There's there's those guys out there. Um, mm. And uh, I'm not saying that if that works for them, that's mm. great. But yeah. I'm not one of those dudes. Mm. I'm, I don't want to be one of those dudes. Yeah, the thing is, is I was leaning in that direction for a little while. And uh, But the thing is as well, like, um, you know, society ostracizes people who do drugs. But yet, well, let's call them illegal drugs. Mm. But yet it's fine to drink, it's fine to smoke tobacco, mm. it's fine to abuse prescription drugs. I mean, one of the biggest abuses out there is prescription drugs. Yes. Um, and and yeah, 
part of the problem is when you ostracize people, you left. They they have no longer have a community. So yeah. what's left for them? Yeah, there's only the people on their level, mm. and they're not going to help you to to grow. Okay, like I was watching. Um, I was telling Trenton I've been watching this series Afterlife with uh, Ricky Jarvis, mm. the comedian. And one of the characters in it was the guy that you he works for a community newspaper, yeah, shitty mm-hmm. newspaper. And uh, one of the guys, he he's a homeless guy that used to do the deliveries. Basically, he would do the deliveries for his money so he can get his hit, yeah, of smack or whatever heroin. Okay. And he went through a lot of pain. His his girlfriend or fiance or whatever died from an overdose. Oh shit! And it's a quite a dark series. Mm. Um. Starts with the character Tony, which is played by Ricky Jarvis, wanting to kill himself because his wife died of cancer. Um, and it's basically his recovery process. But he asked this homeless guy or this drug addict, mm. he says, what would you do if you – what did you really do if you had enough money? And he said he would overdose. He says because he doesn't want to be in this world anymore. The pain is just too much. He wants to be in the next life or whatever with his – Fiance or girlfriend. Jeepers. And so he gave him the money and the guy overdosed, died. Whoa. Yeah. So it's it's kind it's kind of a hectic series. Um but I mean the guy was cast out of community. So yeah. what, what what does he have left for himself? Okay. That's crazy, man. Mm. And I mean, if you look at some uh, recovered addicts or whatever, um that went through a lot of pain and suffering, um for them, they say that drugs actually saved them because if it wasn't for the drugs, they would have committed suicide. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's uh, – It's a deep, dark subject. It's, it's, a, it's a very dark subject and uh, I, I, I feel pity for people who've – I don't – not in a bad way. I mm. feel sad that people get in these in – these, um, these self-destroying habits that mm. enable them to keep going. Mm. Like that's – it's sad to me mm. because eventually they do end up either overdosing by choice or not by choice. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the problems with the, the illicit drug trade is that you never know what you're getting. You might you might think you're getting heroin. Mm. But I watched a thing on, on that drug classroom about fentanyl. Okay. Fentanyl is like – I think it's like 10 times or 20 times more potent than heroin. So if you think you're getting heroin and you dose according to heroin and you it's cut with fentanyl, you're going to overdose. Holy shit. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, That's so, so, and this is a prescription drug. Fentanyl is used for, it's for pain and anesthesia because it's, it doesn't affect the respiratory system as much as other anesthetics. Okay. Mm. I don't know shit about that, so. Yeah, I think we should move on from that. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. What, what, what I've been reading, or not reading, listening mm. to lately is some Nietzsche. Oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> we're going to comment. No, I'm just, at the moment, I can't yeah. really comment on it, but I've been listening to two of his books, Eki Homo, Homo, which is I Am Man, uh, but I've decided to stop that one for now because... I think I need to listen to his one of his other books called uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which is uh, a prophet of an old religion. Zoroastrianism, is it? Yes, yes, that's it. 
Jamie told us about that. It's it's one of the older one of the oldest practiced still practiced religions. I think what I read on there that some people reckon it's from about 2000 BCE beyond uh, before Common Era or BC in is in the old terminology. Yeah, I'm I'm still a bit mixed up about that. So I, don't worry, I'm also confused. It's um, like you know, so things yeah. keep changing. Like what you what you thought you knew is now changed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'm, I have to go through information a couple of times before I can actually mention it accurately because <laughs> I've I've made some mistakes in the past and I was so sure of them and then the people are like, no motherfucker, cocaine doesn't co- come from the cocoa plant. <laughs> it comes from the cocoa plants and I'm like, oh shit. Anyway, um, yeah. so yeah, so Zoroastrianism, you were talking about that. Yeah, and that, that comes from the Assyrian uh, background. Or is Persian. It the, Persian. Is it the Persian? Yeah, it is the Persian. Isn't there some stories from the... Well, that's true. The, there's stories from the Assyrians that have made it into Zoroastrianism, which Christianity, if I, if I remember correctly... Mm. Christianity was an off branch of yeah. Zoro- Zoroastrianism. It's quite possible. Um, I think, you know, religion is for me is becoming more of a. There's just so much information out there, and you have to. I start to question, you know, where organized religion says, oh, you can only believe this, X, Y, Z, because this is what's in our Bible or our Quran or our Tao Te Ching or whatever. Sure. And uh, I think that's just too narrowly focused. I mean, I I watched a a, a video clip of a a theologian uh, because they were discussing, I think he was in in a debate with a a physicist or something like that, and he said, you know, <clears throat> the God I serve is outside of this universe. Mm. The universe was created by what scientists believe is the Big Bang, which is energy. And But where did the energy and the matter come from? Um, I mean, one of my astrophysics lecturers, he said he likes to believe that the universe is surrounded by chocolate eggshells with thousands of astro billions of little astro sweets you know those little chocolate yeah. sweets surrounding it and he says you can't prove him wrong because you can't see to the end of the universe yeah well well this <laughs> is the thing it's like, like how can a mortal being understand an eternal universe or the, even the concept of an eternal universe mm. or a finite universe mm. like we just don't fucking know they say that the, the they can see the light from the Big Bang theory and that is the evidence because it's the oldest light in our universe. But that's mm. just the oldest light. I'm not a pro on this, so yeah, you know, it's it's the, feel free to argue it. But that is my basic understanding mm. of what they are talking about when they when it comes to the Big Bang, Big Bang theory mm. is that they're observing this light, the oldest light in the universe. Mm. And that was caused by some sort of crazy amount of energy that banged the universe into existence. Yeah, and the thing is, we are still we're limited by our mental capacity and by technology. 
It's yeah. like what we know about the brain is probably it's not even a percentage point of what we don't know about the brain. Well, yeah, exactly. And and I don't I don't think as humanity we'll ever get to a point where we fully understand everything because we're just not that clever. Well, how can you if you've got if mm. you've got an eternal universe mm. and you've got eternity? Mm. It's like yeah. uh, what do you compute infinity? You can't. Like yeah. so, if you're immortal mm. and you 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 and you've got what infinite life, you can just mm. live forever. Okay. Mm. And you've got an internal universe. Good fucking luck, China. Well, like, there, was, there was the one guy who was on Lex Friedman's podcast. This guy is a uh, fuck. I don't even know what he does, but he's fucking super clever. But he says no. He wants he wants to live forever so that he can know and understand everything. And then Lex asked him, "But why?" He says, "No, because he wants to know and understand everything." And he says, "Well, what will you do when you get to that point?" He says, "No, then I'll come myself." Well, or something like that. It's like, but if you think about it, do you really want to live forever? I don't know. Eh? I do. I, I I don't. Why? Because if there was no end, then what is the point? Well, yeah, the, the, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point because the thing is, life because there can be no life without death. Sure, but then that argues the theory of the the eternal universe. But that's another discussion. Anyway, yeah. the 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 there's sort of like a uh, appreciation that you have for time mm. and for experiences and mm. for delicious food and drink and, and mm. things like that because of our limited time on this planet. Yeah, we know that tomorrow could be the end. Yeah. Uh, you don't know. You can mm. make plans. You know. You can yeah. you can have all these plans, but life will come around and just say it's your time, brother, and then you're gone. You yeah, that's know, why you, I recommend people uh, listen to that that other book or read the book that Mark Manson wrote, um, "The Subtle Art Not Giving a Fuck," mm. because if you give away too many fucks, then you've got no fucks left to give. Yes. So you have to be wise with how you dish out your fucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that song. <laughs> yeah. Like no more fucks to give. <laughs> it's brilliant, man. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, oh man, it's so crazy because here's the thing. It's like, can you imagine, like, if you, if you live forever and you get to know everything, mm. like, but, but like, even that is like, it's a, it's a stretch, like mm. for our minds to understand that you could understand every single thing there that mm. is to understand about the universe and the plants and the fucking uh, whatever else is on this like mm. planet. Like I mean, there's there's so much shit. I mean, if you go down to the, the like the deeper parts, of the deepest parts of the ocean, you know, we haven't really even explored that yet. Yeah. So so I mean, that's just on one planet. Mm. There, and if, and, if and Elon Musk has anything to do with it, we'll be on Mars. Yeah, I maybe mean, not in our lifetime, or maybe in our lifetime. Who knows? Dude, that, there Alex. was there was this thing I learned about today. Uh, it was on TikTok. Um, there's this like sort of this guy was saying there's this paras not parasite man. I'm not even sure what it was. There's this thing that looks like an alien, 
and he shows you under under a microscope and it's I can't remember what it's called but it's made up of silica it's made okay. up of silica and it eats sunlight and shits oxygen what the fuck yeah <laughs> dude and it's moving it's a living thing out of silica it's made out of fucking silica shit I'm gonna have to look it up now it's crazy it's crazy and I'm like oh my word like I like you think you know about things but then you get banged with a huge load of information like this and you're like it's a lot of information to swallow but then you know if you think about it extraterrestrial life ET or, or aliens or whatever you know, you half expect them to have some sort of humanoid form or, you know, there's these pictures or supposed aliens that the people that America's got, whatever, their big heads. And <clears throat> Who's to say an alien has to be our size? Yeah, exactly. It could be something gigantic or it could be something so microscopically small that we don't even know it's there. Mm. Because if you think about it, the physics point of view, to transport something like a 100-kilogram person to Mars takes a shit ton of energy. Now, if you take something that weighs less than a gram, it's a shit ton of energy less. Mm, um, yeah, but how does it get you? That's the thing. If it comes from outer space, then would it have to come on a comet or, or on a flipping, well, you know. But I don't think we can comprehend it because we're limited by our understanding of physics. No, look, we don't see. So maybe they're not in our visible spectrum. Well, that's another thing that, that uh, my girlfriend and I were talking mm. about the other day is that there, there is a certain amount, and I can't remember what the amount is, but there's a, there's a very narrow window mm. of Zero zero point seven. Zero point zero zero three five. Okay, that number. Um, zero zero three five. Yeah, percent of the visual of our of the of the fucking spectrum, the color spectrum that we can see. Mm. It's a very fucking narrow spectrum. Mm. So it's like, what else is there that we can't see? Well, if you, you think know? about it, um, animals that are active at night they can see in the dark because they look in a different spectrum of light. Sure. And well, I mean, the 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 um, yeah, I think that's true in some cases. But mm. these these uh, animals that have like cats have got larger um, their their eyes receive light better and more mm. efficiently, and th that's why they can they can see in the dark. Yeah. Well, it's um, like I, I can't remember exactly the reason why, but I worked for before I worked for Denial. I worked for a company that did a we did a project for the the artillery, which was an unmanned aeroplane or whatever. We built the launch and recovery system for it. But mm. it had a camera on it that saw in the ultraviolet spectrum. Mm. And with that camera, you see a completely different picture. Yeah. So you can make out living and dead parts of a tree. Because where they, I saw the video where they were flying over, where they do the the long range shooting, 
So obviously when the rounds explode, some parts of the trees get destroyed, but other parts are still living. And you can see a clear difference between a living and a dead piece of tree in that spectrum. You can also see a guy sitting camouflaged. He's in camouflage on top of a camouflage vehicle, and you can see him sitting out like a sore thumb in that spectrum. But obviously the limitation of it is, is only in the daytime. Yeah, when Grant was phoning. Sorry, <laughs> guys. Sorry, guys. Um, my apologies. Mm. But yes, um, dude, I'm just having a crazy thought right now. Yeah. And talking about this vis- vi- the, the, the visible light spectrum yeah. that we can see in. Like, so, okay, I, I, because I come from a religious background, very religious background, I always tend to think about these things. And I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it isn't. But here's the point is like Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, right? Follow me. So we know that from my understanding of the Bible and what I was taught at least, the theory is or the the story is rather that Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the forbidden fruit, whether you want Mm. to say that's having sex or whether you want to say that it was a physical fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. Mm. Right? That was the, the only the fruit from the tree of knowledge or good and evil. Of, of good, the, the fruit from the, the tree of, of knowledge, I think it's known as that as well, um, mm. but the tree of good and bad or, mm. or, or something like that. Could be wrong, but yeah, yeah, the tree of knowledge is what I know it is. Oh, so, I've got some deep insight on that, but carry okay. on. Yeah, so here's the point. We weren't supposed to do that shit, right? There was also in the garden... The tree of life. Okay, yes. Okay. So there were two trees. Mm. I only found that out probably about seven years ago. Yeah, I know about the tree of life. Yeah, I didn't know that there were two trees in the garden. So there was the tree of knowledge, and then there was the tree of good, uh, of of life, Mm. right? Now, if we really want to get in depth on the story, I also found out that Satan, right, was the flippin' <clears throat> covering cherub of the Garden of Eden. Mm. He was put in he that was his responsibility to look after this gem that God had created. Mm. And that, that's what's taught to us. If you really go into it, mm. Satan was a cherub in mm. the flippin' Garden of Eden, right? Mm. Anyway, Satan was the one who was the snake. They eat the flippin' tree of knowledge yeah and now they're gonna die right mm. god says to them you, you you will die and there's all these other um mm. you know like suffering and sin yeah. that's gonna happen now oh, as a result of labor this. and man will to- turn the earth yes yes right. and and mm. you know these thorns and thistles will grow in, instead of your your uh, crop anyways yeah. here's the point is that God said, uh, after they had disobeyed him, that they must get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, that they do not eat from the tree of life yeah. and become like us. Okay. That's freaky. Okay. I might be misquoting it there slightly, mm. but that that is what I remember reading. So, this is the thing. It's like, who knows what the – because we know we don't use the full capacity of the brain and all of those things. There's a certain percentage that we Mm. can use. So, maybe 
it's just a fun discussion, mm. maybe our senses were limited to what they should have been originally. Mm. That's where I'm going with this. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe that whole story that also goes back to flipping the the Assyrians, the, the Babylonic, the uh, all of these mm. religions throughout the world have some sort of a story like that. Mm. And it has to have some sort of relevance to some shit that went down. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a crazy thought, but it's very very interesting. I was listening to something. I can't remember who the fuck was talking. It could have been Jordan Peterson or someone like that. But they said, you know, people ask the question or or they say Eve was deceived by the serpent, mm. which is correct. Mm, that is. But in some uh, translations of the Bible, Adam was there with Eve when she ate the fruit. Wow. Yeah, depends how you translate the Bible. But mm. so he was present. I'm gonna have to go and find it because that was that was very thought provoking. Well, my understanding was also that Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was mm. deceived. Mm. Adam did it out of not wanting to disappoint his wife kind of yes. kind of issue. Yeah. And because of that, and he also ate the fruit. Mm. Right? Yeah. So put a man in a difficult position there. And it's like, are you going to die with me? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is that's why we, whenever you get married and or you live with someone, there's that age-old question: Oh, what the fuck are we having for supper tonight? Mm. All because Eve ate the wrong fruit. Sure. <laughs> so now she's not sure what we're supposed to have for supper tonight. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! You're going to get some flack for this one. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy to put. It's crazy to put that sort of spin on it that mm. that the first woman was responsible for all of this. Like that's <laughs> a, that's 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 a heavy load for mm. a particular gender to carry. And but the and thing I, is, I don't I don't know anything about it. Like, mm. but the thing is, you know, one of the great things about having this podcast is that we can have discussions, mm. be they purely for fun or be they for like deep thought mm. or deep conversation because yeah. I think what's happened in the last, I don't know, 10 years of this whole fucking work culture shit is that certain topics are now taboo. You cannot discuss them, mm. which I think is wrong because if you cannot discuss things, mm. how can you, how can you develop understanding? Yeah, well, that's the mm. thing. It's like, how do you grow as a person, grow mm. in your understanding, grow mm. in your tolerance of other people's beliefs mm. and things like that, if you're not willing to discuss certain things? Mm. Like, I, as I've explained it to you before, like, mm. I view I view things as like this, this bubble, this mm. inconsistent bubble of mm. your tolerances and mm. what you're willing to put up with, what you're willing to talk about, what... Mm what offends you, what, mm. like, it's this whole thing, mm. and it's somewhere in there, your ego is also in there, telling mm. you, oh, that's bullshit, because, mm. of, blah, 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 because of what I believe, mm. these are my foundations, don't try and misrupt them, motherfucker, mm. that, mm. that kind of attitude, mm. so, if you can just broaden your understanding mm. of that, you can make this bubble broader and more mm. consistent, mm. right, and be a, just be a more just willing like to a, listen person, just like be if, like you, if, you, if you if you listen, you can understand. 
And I think a lot of people listen to reply. Yeah. Which is the wrong way. You should listen to to try and understand what the person saying. Hundred percent. So there's one of the exercises I did. We did in therapy at hospital is that you sit with one other person, and that person's got to tell you some meaningful story in their life. And then you have to repeat that story to that person to see that you understood what they were telling you. Oh. So it's a way of it's a way of changing your communication patterns. Where instead of listening to the, oh, I know that's bullshit type thing, listen to understand what the person's saying. Yes. Then you can then you then you say, okay, so Trenton, what you said is that uh, Satan was the cher- head cherub or head angel looking after the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And he was the one who deceived Eve. Yes. Not like saying, oh, no, my belief system says that Satan was an angel that was thrown down from heaven. Mm. It's it's like you're never going to get an understanding of where a person's coming from yes. unless you like, try and understand what they're saying yeah. and not put your… Your twist on it. Your twist on it. Yeah. Because yeah. Your, your memory is imperfect. Yes. Uh, it's been proven. Oh, lawyers love that. Because yes. your memory is not perfect. And every time you recount a story, you recount a story, it changes slightly. Yes. And then yeah. it gets stored again slightly differently. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and the longer you haven't told it for, the more unfamiliar that pathway is in your brain. Yeah. And therefore, there, you, there was you, a, lose, you lose certain truths about it. There was it. a thing I heard about um, some a person who had like full-blown Alzheimer's, but they were functioning like a normal person. Because their brain was so active um, that they were constantly building new neural pathways. So the pieces that were dying off and things like that were replaced with new ones. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. That's incredibly interesting. Yeah. That's one of the – like the – that series I was watching, um, Afterlife – Ricky Jarvis' character, his dad, is in a in a mental facility because he's you know he's shit old and he's got um, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. so he doesn't remember stuff. Yeah. But then, like the one episode, uh, he came into his room and he saw there was an old little book of poems that his mom used to read to him, and he never used to like the poems, but he used to like that she was reading to him, mm. and he started reading a poem. And then his dad completed the poem, even though he's got there are like certain memories that still get triggered. Um, so I think it's like if you you have a scrambled hard disk or something that like some things come through and some things don't. Yeah, which is freaky. It is freaky. It, mm. There's there were also some studies done on people with Alzheimer's and giving them. Um, giving them coconut oil. Okay. And uh, like cold pressed Mm. coconut oil. And one of the guys had uh, dementia. Mm. And before they started giving him this coconut oil, just regular plain Mm. old coconut oil, no drugs. um, They asked him to draw a clock before. Mm. And he drew this terrible, terrible image of a mm. clock. The, the numbers were not in order. Mm. It was the, the numbers were outside of the ring. They were just all a big fucking mess. Mm. And then two weeks in or something like that, 
of taking the coconut oil, mm. they asked him to draw another one. Mm. And it became a little bit more orderly. Mm. And after like six months mm. of taking coconut oil, he had the numbers in order. Mm. He had the the whole clock, the whole thing looked better, more put together. Well, and I he was he was functioning better mm. just because of this coconut oil, which does something in the brain it's to help. One of the the essential fatty acids that you get from um, coconut oil is essential for brain chemistry. So that's why they, you know, they say when you, when your first meal of the day should have essential fatty acids, mm. protein, and mm. carbohydrates, because you need it for your brain chemistry. Mm. And if you don't start your brain chemistry right, you have a shit day. Mm. Which is, you know, I, I've experienced that. So mm. yeah, well, the the brain is is also very very beneficial for people. Uh, with epilepsy as well. Mm. So what you're eating mm. is definitely a huge contributing factor to mm. illnesses mm. Um, or how to deal with illnesses mm. better. I mm. mean, the ketogenic diet was specifically created for people with epilepsy. Okay. Because what it does is these good fatty acids mm. actually insulate the parts of the brain that are mm. misfiring. Yeah. And those good fats, like if you on a on a like no sugar and all mm. of that shit, or mm. less sugar mm. um, and more fats, mm. the glucose actually causes a lot of stress in the brain. This and is my causes, understanding of it, it. It also causes a lot of um, inflammation yes, in your body. Yes, inflammation, hundred percent. So there's there's those things that are not good for somebody with epilepsy. Mm. And I'm not saying it's genuinely going to flip and fix everything. Mm. But it's going to make it better. But it's going to hopefully help enough to make a considerable difference. Yeah. You know, um, I know for me, mm. it does. Mm. It does. And when I don't eat right, I don't feel great. Yeah. You know? and, and You are what you eat. So if you eat yeah. shit, you're going to be shit. You're yeah. going to feel like shit. You're going to feel like shit. It's like I've noticed since I've come out of hospital, my meal sizes have become, my portions have become smaller. Yeah. Because it's just enough to fill you, but normally I used to eat bigger plates of food, and yeah. then you like, you feel slow and drained and bleh. Yeah. And the food was fucking fantastic, yes. but you just ate too much, and yes. your body just goes into a slowdown mode. Well, I mean, it's like all of this, uh, this, um, Felt grazed meat that my mom is selling. Mm. The quality is of such a standard that you don't need to eat as many flippin' sausages as you used mm. to. The borovos that she buys, like, it's lacquer stuff. You had some of it. Oh, it's flippin' great. It's incredible stuff. But I find I eat less of that, mm. and I've become more of a fan of, of uh, borovos as a result. I don't mm. I don't generally like borovos, to be quite honest with you. That's because you're racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mm. I take this stuff and it's and it's fantastic. And my meals also, I've noticed that I eat less because I'm getting what I need. Yeah. I feel better about it. I mm. feel like you know, my, if you have like a, I've got energy. Yeah, you know, if you have a balanced, a balanced diet. Ooh. Balanced diet. Yeah, Frankie, it's yeah. prachtig. But you know, if your body's getting what you need, you're going to crave less. Yes, exactly. Because the thing is, essentially. Mm. Oh, this is a deep topic to go down. But 
a lot of people who are overweight or extremely overweight and I mean there's there's a lot of contributing factors so mm-hmm. I don't want to be I don't want to be smacked on the hand for this one or mm-hmm. get nailed for this one mm-hmm. but like a lot of the time it's not eating right mm-hmm. and your body's craving shit it's mm-hmm. like I need to essentially you're starving because you're not getting what you're supposed to be getting mm-hmm. in your system so your body's telling you I need more flipping shit man and then also not, I'm think- not fixing it the, the you know? thing is, that with a bad diet, you, it affects your gut health. Mm. So if your gut health is is goes shit, uh, and you're eating the wrong stuff, and you have to eat more, and you're eating because you're eating the wrong feeds, you're just packing on mm. layers and layers of shit because your body your body's in in meltdown basically. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not just you know there's a lot of people that comfort eat as well. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot, wide variety of things that cause that. Yes. But, you know, if you eat the right stuff, it, it's it's generally better for you. It's generally better for you. I think most doctors would agree. <laughs> um, but and, and health dietitians and so on. Yeah, but we I trained mean, a, huge, a whole industry for it. The whole industry for it. All from that stupid advert, oh, sugar gives you energy. <laughs> Sugar's bad, people. It's almost as it's – it's like a drug. Essentially, yes. Yeah. What is the most widely used drug on the planet? Caffeine. Caffeine. 100,000 metric tons of caffeine is consumed. Coffee, not caffeine. Of, of, of coffee mm. um, is consumed worldwide every year. Yep. It's and a you know crazy many, number. You know, if it wasn't for that, you know, you know how many less people there have been on earth? Because the people aren't getting in <laughs> caffeine would be killing everybody. <laughs> Just the day. But the, the, it's it's very interesting how uh, caffeine interacts with the the neurological receptors in your brain. Oh, that's why I'm a look. I love coffee. I'm a coffee addict. But mm. these energy drinks, like Dragon Play, all those monster shit. Yeah, I think they are very bad for humanity. Because of their high sugar and high, high caffeine. Yeah, I I I don't drink them because um, mm. I do the Harlem Shake after. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a great idea for. Mm. Well, I, I don't think it's a great idea for anybody to have too many of them. Mm. Um, I, I mean, there, there's some people who live on them, and that's yeah. fine if you want to do that. But I don't it's, think it's great. The long term benefits are not good. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the sponsorships from Red Bull are great, but you yeah, know, or Monster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love stuff. I love watching that Red Bull air racing. Mm. Those pilots mm. are just next level, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be in the plane because I think I leave my stomach contents all over the canopy. <laughs> <laughs> just wear your brown pants, man. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, brown pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, there's there's a there's a receptor in your brain, that, and this this was discussing why caffeine uh, makes you feel more awake. Mm. Wide weight gets you gets you mm. alert, right? Is that there's a certain chemical in the brain? And I can't flip and remember the name of it, but there's a it's one I haven't heard before. Uh, oh man, I wish I could remember it. But there's a certain chemical in the brain that that interacts with these neurological receptors in the brain that help you to sleep. Mm. Okay, so it, it was melatonin. Wa- no, it wasn't mel- melatonin. 
I'm sure that's got something to do with sleep, but mm-hmm. they were specifically talking about this particular one. Okay. And what it does is when it, it because of its chemical, it's mm-hmm. the chemical structure of the compound, mm-hmm. it like fits in there perfectly and it yeah. activates that flow of mm-hmm. this release of this chemical to help you feel sleepy. Mm-hmm. But what coffee does is it blocks or caffeine. What it caffeine does is the, is the molecule is so similar, but mm. not similar enough to activate it. It just blocks it. It just blocks mm. the, that neurological receptor. Mm. And then the more you drink coffee, mm. the higher your tolerance is because mm. your brain, you need to fucking sleep. So your brain's like, these all these receptors are blocked, mm. so we need to grow new ones. Mm. And then... So, so then that's why you need more and more coffee to mm. keep you awake because now your brain is receiving some of this chemical mm. to, to make you sleep. Mm. So now when you stop taking coffee, mm. you can get an overload of, of this particular chemical to make you sleep. Yeah. And that gives you a headache. Okay. Right. That's freaky. Yeah. So, so essentially, if my understanding is correct, I'm not a pro on this, but essentially, because the caffeine's not there mm. to block all these neurological receptors no, up. that have opened up, it's now like, okay, now we're just going to chuck all this in, mm. and it gives you a hell of a headache. Okay. But in a few days' time, mm. you your brain's like, okay, we don't need this anymore. Mm. That 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 caffeine is not there to block it. So it like retracts these, these things, these receptors retract back in or like die or something. Mm. And then it's normal. Well, one of the guys, crazy dude. these, this entrepreneur I follow, Alex Becker, um, he's an insane person, but, uh, he went on, cause he used to be heavy on coffee and energy drinks. And he went on a, he does a couple of different detoxes. So he eats extremely healthy. Now he went on a on a caffeine detox. Mm. So now he might have an espresso once every two weeks or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Whereas before he was having like three in the morning. Oh wow! Um, and then he also does a dopamine detox. <clears throat> so everything that gives you pleasure, mm. he cuts it out because he says, you know, if you your brain gets lazy. It goes for the easy dopamine hits. Mm. So mm. like mm. Facebook, social media, yeah, those type of things. Yeah. Jolling. Jolling. Drink rubbing it out like a pro. <laughs> because I fucking need to. <laughs> but uh, he does that because then he can be more focused in his work. Yeah. That's why he sold all his shit. He used to have a fancy house, fancy car. He sold it. He lives in a basic apartment. Yeah that he can afford to pay the rent for the next 500 years without having to earn any more money. He's got like his desk, his computer, a very basic kitchen and a room with a bed. And I think he's got some stuff to help him sleep, like a aircon, dark curtains, that type of shit. Yeah. Um, And that's it. And he says, because all he wants to do is focus on growing his business because that's what brings him pleasure. Hmm. But he says he has to do the dopamine detox in order to, because your brain's like fighting it out. Just have a look. Mm. I mean, his phone lives in the drawer in the kitchen until the afternoon. 
he doesn't look at his phone the whole morning because the morning is his most productive time. Hmm. And then his people that he that work for him know don't try and contact him on his phone until after a certain time because mm. he's just pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't even listen to the voice message. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's definitely taking control of your life. You, mm. you, you're being more conscious of making decisions that are going to benefit your, your business or whatever. It's like, like it's, it's uh, Mark Manson's, one of his theories is do something. Yeah. So motivation uh, causes action. But what also happens is action creates motivation. So True. Like I found in my shop, if I'm if I'm not feeling less for fuck all, just get in there and just do something, do anything. Mm. I mean, hand, sand, a knife, or, or just maybe fit one guard, and then that is like fuck yeah, I can do this and I can do this, and, yeah. and that that start in, of motion builds yes. up momentum yes. and builds motivation, yes. and it's like a it's a positive feedback loop, not a negative feedback loop. Yeah, well, well, this is the thing about about this uh, chemical compound that they were talking about that helps you to sleep. Mm. Is it it uh, it also has a huge part to play in uh, motivation, joy, all of these things. Yeah, um, and when that's blocked, it's it's. I'm not sure if that was with weed. I have a feeling that was with weed. Mm. It could have been because I was looking how the neurological receptors interact with different chemical compounds like okay. caffeine and THC and CBD. Okay. And the interesting fact about the CBD is if you have more CBD, a higher percentage of CBD mm. in your uh, in your joint yeah. or what or whatever in your edibles or whatever mm. or in your vape mm. um, vaping juice, then it'll because the uh, the CBD actually blocks the it, it's essentially it switches them off. Mm. It attaches to the side mm. and it switches them off. So even if THC is in there, doesn't matter. They're yeah. switched off. So you won't feel mm. as high depending mm. on the percentage, or you mm. won't feel high at all. Yeah. Um. But if it's the other way around, yeah. now doesn't matter. Too high. <laughs> Too high. Um, so yeah, so that's why they talk about these unbalanced plants, these extremely high strains, yeah, and how that can actually, um, because although they're both cannabinoids, they do very different things. Mm, they they process differently in the body. It's it's been proven that mm. CBD can decrease psychotic uh, behavior, yeah, or or, or psychosis the, or, or, or psychosis or the risk mm. thereof. And THC does the fucking opposite. Yeah, that's one of the research things I saw is that they said that the, the, the high THC strains are bringing out more people who are susceptible to psychosis. Yeah. Um, I watched a video of a guy who talked about his psychosis, and it took him like almost three years to recover from it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it can be freaky shit. So that's why it's good to be informed. Mm. That's why it's good to be informed. Don't don't go into things blindly, yeah. thinking that you know a little bit. Mm. Like 
just it's worth doing the research because yeah. you don't know how certain things are going to affect you. Because everybody's, you know, everybody's unique. Mm. Um, we may be made up basically the same parts, but how the parts interact and how your brain chemistry works is, is unique to each person. It is. I mean, what makes you different from me? Why do you have epilepsy and I don't? Yeah. Yeah. It's... Who fucking knows? Well, I'm sure they have an idea. Yeah, they may uh, have an idea, but in in 50 years' time, it might be wrong. They might know something else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, It's all based on what we know now and what doctors know now and And what much smarter people. (laughs) Yeah, much smarter people. We just don't. (laughs) I'm not very bright, but I can lift things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, anyway, there's, there's a lot of research still to be done on these all these different things and find out how they mm. how they can be used beneficially or what the dangers are as well. So that's why we're not saying everybody should try mm. weed or psilocybin or whatever drug mm. there is out there. Do the research before you look into it. Yeah, I mean, or look into it for sure, yeah. but don't 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 do it till you know. Yeah, what's it? My one friend. He's a big stoner, and his name's not Trenton, but um, <laughs> his mother used to. Always be on him about fucking weed, weed, weed. Is that bad? Blah, 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 blah. And he always used to say to her, don't knock it until you try it. And his grand once said, you know, you've been saying don't knock it until you try it. She wants to try it now. And she's like fucking, I think she was like 80 at the time or something stupid like that. So he went over to visit his grand. He rolled her spliff. They they bounced a spliff together. And uh, she enjoyed it. And she said to him the next day, you won't believe it, but I had four lamb chops. Because she's like barely eating anything at that stage. She's got the, <laughs> she got got the, the munchies. munchies. She's got the munchies. So there's, there, apparently there's another cannabinoid that counteracts that. I think okay. it's called CBD, CBD something three or some shit. Mm. It, I can't remember the name, but like it's a different cannabinoid that mm. actually helps to – because the argument was on Joe Rogan's uh, mm. podcast is like he was he was actually having a full on argument with the dude and he was saying but like what's the negative aspects of wheat and he was saying well you know one of them could be uh, that you eat more and if you got a weight problem that could that could uh, that could be unhealthy mm. you know and he says so he's like yeah but at the same time there's this other cannabinoid that that does the flipping opposite. Yeah, but at the same time, someone could have a weight problem when they don't eat enough. And sure, and it'll help them absolutely. To, to get to a healthier body weight. Absolutely. Beautiful point. Mm. Beautiful point. That's true. So, you know, some things work for some people, some things don't. So, yeah. if, like, if you're predisposed to psychosis, yeah. you should be very wary of what drugs you take. Mm. Be it pharmaceutical, uh, prescription or um, well here's the thing as well is that even if you're not how would you like like there, there's mm. still a possibility mm. that something could happen to you even if you don't have an obvious history of your family being I mean it's prone not, to that um, some peoples have lived with with bipolar not knowing about it because they haven't been triggered yet so they're predisposed to bipolar, and nothing happens to them until they're 45. And then something all of a sudden traumatic happens, and this 
disease manifests itself. Yeah, or, yeah. Something you've had all along, but it's been like I'm trying to think of the it's right been word. Sort of on the back burner. And it's, it's 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 not it's not a debilitating thing. Yeah. And it's not something that's obvious. Um, well, I when when I if you want to say developed epilepsy, mm. I was eight years old. Yeah. And a traumatic experience happened to me where I was held underwater by a fat kid mm. for an extremely long time. Mm. And after that day, mm. I had these rolling over, my mom used to call them dizzy spells. Mm. Then I would just zone out mm. and be like, I felt like, it It honestly feels like a high. Mm. It feels like you're in another dimension. Like mm. you're just like, whoa, mm. what is this? And like, People can see that you're not with it. Mm. And like things that should be slightly funny become hilarious, <laughs> you know, and then you over laugh, mm. you know, because these would happen so frequently in mm. conversation. Like I'd be talking to a friend and then I'd be like, oh, no, oh, no. And it's embarrassing. Like mm. you don't want to you, you don't mm. want these things to be obvious to people because you, you're embarrassed about it and you mm. shouldn't be. You shouldn't be, but you should, you the, should. the fact of the matter is that people do get freaked out by it, and people also do make fun of it. Yeah. Um, and so, so even though people say, "Oh no, you shouldn't be," you can't help but to feel like that. Yeah. When I was self-conscious, when I was smaller, mm. I used to feel some sort of weird guilt that mm. I had had this mm. happen to me. It was it was weird. Mm. Why would you feel guilty about something that you can't control? But mm. it's, it, I mean, it's a crazy thing. Mm. I mean, when I grew up, when I was in high school, I was a nerd. Mm. Uh, I mean, my my maths teacher used to refer to my my homework book as the book of knowledge. <laughs> so when there's a mistake, says, "Oh look, there's a mistake in the book of knowledge." And it was fine, but you know, being a nerd sort of thing. Yeah, you I value mean, that. You value it, but also, you know, there is teasing and shit like that. And you never know how it affects you. I mean, I still don't know how my upbringing has affected my mental space right now. Mm. It's something I'm sort of working through. I don't know. Yeah. Um, which brings me, I need to get another journal because. When we had that huge fucking hailstorm, yeah. Yeah. There's my journal there. It's all fucking puffed up. Oh, on, no. On top there by the drill press. Oh, shucks, man. Oh, yeah, so stuff. all my... It's not like I go back and read the shit, but it's mm. like I was fucked off, man. Yeah. I was like seriously... Yeah. Well, it's In a like, bed space. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's... But it's... It, I find it therapeutic to write. So if I, I normally only write if I'm in a, in a shit mood. Yeah. But it helps get out of that mood. Yes. Because you can put that shit onto a piece of paper yes. and you close the book and you forget about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's definitely a way of, of like, self-therapy in a way. Mm. Um, I think it's it's good for growth, for sure. Mm. But I think that is where we're going to end it for this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be, if I look at it now, we're going to look at about two and a half hours more. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, it's enough for you guys to listen to for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we still got the forty-minute podcast of. Uh, no, that's including the forty-minute podcast. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's a while. Yeah. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for joining. We hope you enjoyed the interview with David Hula. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it had to be cut short because yeah. of uh, psilocybin. <laughs> psilocybin. Be careful. Be careful. Um, do your research, guys. Yeah, do your research. Um, and, uh, 
But yeah, it was a great experience. That's mm. what we're talking about here. That's what mm. we're wanting to experience and explore yeah, um, gonna, while being careful, obviously. But also, you know, we, we want to have discussions and you can't have discussions without experience. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot more to be said about it, but I think we're going to have to wait for, a, for another visit to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and please uh, come and have a look at uh, the Instagram page. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked that out, there's, we're always sharing what we're doing, our projects. Uh, Tim's yeah. a little bit more active there than I am. But, yeah, uh, maybe I should go and uh, put the pictures of my nice arm and leg from my running accident. <laughs> put some sort of a motivational thing behind it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, guys. Anyways, have Cheers. a great one. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast and we'll see you again real soon.